At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, you feeling a little refreshed after that long weekend, not having to come in and work on a Sunday? <laughs> yeah, I, but that Thursday night, boy, that's really a kick in the butt. You really have to Both earn the a, long weekend, don't you? Well, not only from the, you know, the night game and the, then the, you know, no sleep, getting all the work done, but then the outcome just yeah. makes it double and triple worse. Um, so uh, all I can tell you is sometimes lack of sleep makes me cranky. Well, you can always sleep on the private jet on the way to Cancun like you did on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Got Went a lot to of... Bermuda, too, by the uh, way. Oh, nice. Very nice. Glad you came yeah. back. It can be risky when yeah. you get to the triangle like that. <laughs> We got a ton of questions from Steelers Nation today. Our first one comes from Kenneth Adams. It better be a quarterback question. We want this streak to stay alive. Kenneth writes us from Memphis, Tennessee. This is one of those dumb questions. Okay, Kenneth, first of all, I take offense to that. No quarterback question is dumb. They're all at the pinnacle of genius. What, what will it take for, my, for Coach Mike Tomlin to finally give the reins to Kenny Pickett? I just ordered his jersey. And I did the same when a rookie named Ben Roethlisberger took over. Um, you know, uh, even after the Cleveland game, you know, Mike Tomlin's um, comments after the game indicated that he is not in a place where he believes that uh, quarterback play is the difference, you know, between the Steelers winning and losing. And after watching the Browns <laughs> run the ball uh, down the Steelers' throats uh, and handle the Steelers' defense at the line of scrimmage, I would tend to agree that unless Kenny Pickett uh, can go in there and two-gap a little bit uh, <laughs> and get Nick Chubb on the ground, uh, I don't know that um, you know that's going to mean a whole lot in terms of the outcome. But what I do know for a fact is that, Kenneth, you buying the Kenny Pickett jersey will not factor into the decision at all. Wouldn't that be something, though, if Kenny Pickett could go both ways, play a little quarterback, then get his hand in the dirt, play a little defensive line? <laughs> hey, if he could do that at the NFL level, I'd buy his jersey. <laughs> Tom Ludacina from Louisville, Kentucky asks, how does the relationship between general manager Omar Khan and coach Mike Tomlin work? 
If Omar believes the Steelers' offensive problems are due to Matt Canada's play calling, can he order Tomlin to fire him, or would he suggest it and leave it to Tomlin to decide? Um, okay. Uh, the, the way the Steelers handle this um, issue, Tom, that you are asking about is a little bit different than most other teams. Uh, I won't say every other team because I'm not really familiar with every other team, but let's just say most. Okay, in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, uh, the general manager is not the coach's boss, and the coach is not the general manager's boss. For example, um, you know, examples of general managers being the coach's boss would be Howie Roseman in Philadelphia, as an example. And an example of the coach being the general manager's boss would be Bill Belichick in New England. Okay, those that doesn't that's not the way the Steelers' business model is uh, designed. Uh, in Pittsburgh, with the Steelers, the general manager's boss is team president Art Rooney II. In Pittsburgh, the coach's boss is team president Art Rooney II. Get where I'm going here with this? In Pittsburgh, and our so- boss is Art Rooney II. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and and that's not just something you know, that Art Rooney II created you know, when he kind of took over the job that he has now. That's the way Dan Rooney uh, ran the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. So, um, you know, uh, all I can tell you is that um, neither Omar Khan nor uh, Mike Tomlin are ordering the other around uh, like it might be with other franchises. John Bushless from Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. Can you explain why the muffed punt by New England that went to the end zone was not a safety? The player muffed the ball in the field of play. Why would he get the advantage of a touchback in that situation? Um, you know, as much as sense as uh, John's question seems to make, uh, the answer is uh, because that's the NFL rule. Uh, and I understand that that can be a non-satisfying answer, but that is the answer. Okay, so in order for the play uh, that – John described and we saw in the New England game to be a safety. The returner would have to possess the ball in the field of play and then on his own accord run into the end zone and then get tackled in the end zone. Then it's a safety. If the ball bounces into the end zone on a fumble or a muff, it's 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 a touchback. Uh, that's the rule. So um, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Uh, the, I, I understand that that might not be satisfying, uh, but if you remember the play, the Patriots player clearly muffed the ball in the field of play. He never had possession the ball, of the ball in the field of play, and that's why when it was recovered in the end zone, it was a touchback and not a safety. Well, the next time NFL rules will make sense will be the first time, so you shouldn't be you shouldn't be too confused about it. <laughs> okay. Timothy Simone from North Lake, Texas. I read a few reports that T.J. Watt sought a few opinions on his injury, as any person might in a similar circumstance. Given the large investment that NFL teams make in superstar players like Watt, does the team have any say in the decision for treatment? No matter what, here's hoping T.J. has a full, uneventful, and speedy recovery that results in another knockout season. Um, actually, the team has no say. Um, they can, you know, offer um, guidance. Maybe it might be a word, or 
uh, a suggestion, uh, but the player is under no, um, he, he's not required to go with what the team said. Right. And the other thing is, uh, in seeking second opinions, the player gets to pick. The player gets, uh, and this is all uh, spelled out in the collective bargaining agreement. The player gets to pick the doctor that he wants a second opinion from. The player gets, if TJ Watt would have decided on surgery, he gets to pick the surgeon. Right. It's not necessarily the team surgeon that performs the uh, performs the procedure. And we'll use Ben Roethlisberger's elbow as an example. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger in 2019. After he uh, tore the ligaments in his elbow, he sought a, another opinion and decided on a uh, surgeon in California to perform uh, the procedure. So the, the player is in total and complete control of um, who he seeks for opinions, who performs the surgery, all of that stuff. Um, so there, that's that's the answer to that one. Yeah, that very answer that you just gave is playing out actually right now with that team in New England. Their quarterback, Mac Jones, high ankle sprain. The team said he'll be back in four weeks. Mac Jones himself said, uh, I think I'm going to get a second opinion on that. It's probably going to be closer to six to eight weeks in my mind. So it's completely in the player's camp. Yes, absolutely. Daniel Hunt from Hahira, Georgia. When people discuss the great history of Steelers linebackers, one name I don't hear often is Mike Merriweathers. I remember him as one of our best players from the 1980s. Could you talk about his career? Okay, one of the problems, I think, with Mike Merriweather in the context in which Daniel is referring, um, Merriweather was a pretty good player, okay? Uh, came to the Steelers from Pacific as a number three pick in 1982. So one of the issues that Merriweather faced was the comparisons uh, that ha <clears throat> excuse me that happened with the Steelers linebackers of the 70s. Um, you remember those guys, Hammond Lambert, Rings Andy Russell. Yeah, and then uh, he also didn't quite reach the level of some of the guys in the 90s. Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd, Chad Brown, LeVon Kirkland, those kind of people. So, you know, uh, in Steelers history, you know, the 80s, Often, um, I won't say overlooked, but they're, um, you know, kind of like the uh, unwanted stepchild uh, to the <laughs> 70s when there were four Super Bowls uh, in six seasons and the 90s, which in a lot of ways uh, set the foundation for what happened in the 2000s, which were two more Super Bowl championships. Um, then the other thing that hurts Merriweather, I think, in terms of how he is viewed in historical context uh, of the history of Steelers linebackers is he set out the entire 1988 season in a contract dispute. Mm. And then he ended up being traded to the Vikings for a number one pick in the 1989 draft. So, you know, the ending wasn't exactly storybook either. Um, but yeah, Mike Merriweather could play mo and more than a little bit. Bruno Kontorczyk from York, Pennsylvania. Who were the coaches responsible for the Steelers' defense in the 1970s? I know the players were outstanding, but the scheme still had to be put together. I know George Pearls and Bud Carson were two of the coaches, and of course, Chuck Knoll. But were there others? Well, let me say this. This is, this is my opinion. Um, the two guys, uh, in terms of the assistants, 
assistant coaches who had vision that um, really kind of set the foundation for the steel curtain were Bud Carson and Dan Radakovich. I'll start with Bud Carson. He's the guy who kind of invented or devised the defensive scheme that has come to be known as the Tampa 2. And that features zone coverage in the secondary with two safeties protecting the deep portions of the field. Uh, The Steelers became a cover two defense. um, But then, you know, when you have guys like Mel Blunt um, and Mike Wagner and Donnie Schell playing it, you know, it's it's a little bit better than, you know, me and you and uh, whoever else. Uh, if they if we were playing slightly it. better, so come on, slightly better. Okay, <laughs> now the other thing that was significant in terms of the development of the 1970 Steelers defense was Dan Radakovich, and he was a defensive line coach in the early 1970s. He then left for a little couple of years. He went to the college ranks, coached Colorado, and then he came back to the Steelers, and he was the offensive line coach. But Radakovich and Bill Nunn kind of were very instrumental in putting uh, the steel curtain together. And just for younger fans, the the steel curtain, that that nickname originally was uh, just applied to the front four, the defensive line, the steel curtain. As the 70s progressed, the steel curtain came to be um, a nickname for the entire defensive unit. But at the time, we're talking about here, the early 1970s, the steel curtain was the front four. Now, Bill Nunn was the guy who found Elsie Greenwood from Alabama AM and N, or AM and M, Alabama A and M, and uh, Dwight White from uh, it's now called Texas A and M Commerce. Mm. At the time, I, I believe it was East Texas State. So a lot of those HBCU schools right. changed their names. Uh, a little bit over the course of time. Okay, so both Greenwood and Dwight White were considered um, undersized, slight, too light to play defensive line in the NFL. Um, But none presented them to Chuck Knoll because Knoll's marching orders to none were, you know what athletes look like, bring me the athletes, we'll teach them how to play. So Radakovich once none presented him with these guys, uh, Radakovich worked with them and was um, somewhat instrumental. Uh, I'm not going to give him all the credit, uh, but he presented uh, Chuck Knoll with the uh, proposal that you could use these two guys, athletic undersized ends as pass rushers, uh, and then supplement them with Joe Green and Ernie Holmes in the middle, and then you know, you have Lambert and Ham and Andy Russell running free behind these guys, and, you know, this will make a pretty decent uh, front of your defense. And so, uh, in my opinion, uh, Radakovich deserves credit for uh, putting the pieces together that became known as the Steel Curtain. Certainly Chuck Knoll approved this and embraced it, and uh, Bud Carson uh, kind of devised the coverage scheme behind those guys that, um, you know, Mel Blunt, et cetera, et cetera, turned into uh, what I believe was one of the most dominating defenses in modern NFL history. It really is just amazing every time you hear about that era, how ahead of the curve the Steelers were. And 
you know, you think about today's modern game and how people are still struggling to accept that, hey, maybe size isn't all that important. You know, you can get a smaller guy if he's just an athletic freak. Aaron Donald is the first one that comes to mind. The Mm -hmm. Steelers were doing that back in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, Elsie Greenwood, I mean, I I believe, you know, it's really difficult to find actual weights yeah like you know they list Elsie Greenwood at 240 or whatever I mean that's I don't know that he was ever 240 <laughs> so playing a defensive end who was maybe 220 225 um, I mean that just wasn't done it wasn't done rain or shine every day is a great day for fishing right you got rain gear but you can't overlook sunny day gear a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like, literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to be. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Steelers did it. Worked pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Igor Novosol from Zagreb, Croatia. I love that. Talking about the Cincinnati's long snappers injury after the Steelers game against the Bengals. Someone at NFL.com asked why a center wouldn't take over in such a situation. The answer was they don't practice snapping with both hands. This doesn't make sense to me. Obviously, the back up tight end didn't get it right either. What's your take on this? How would the Steelers handle such an injury? Um, One thing that you know, all fans need to understand is that long snapping and playing center are two different jobs. I mean, I understand that maybe back in the prehistoric days, the center did all the long snapping as well. But uh, the game has evolved. And, you know, you asked Danny Smith, the Steelers special teams coordinator, about snap hold kick. You know, what is the, the, the time of operation? I mean, you're looking at 2.1 seconds. That has to the kick has to be gone. So you know you can't have uh, a snap that takes if you, you know if the snap takes 1.1 to 1.3 seconds just to get back um, to the the holder. You know that, that's just that's that's unacceptable. Then make you know, it going to block it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so okay, you know the Steelers have sent two centers to the Hall of Fame, Mike Webster and Dermonte Dawson. And while Webster did it um, during the bulk of his career, he wasn't necessarily very good at it. Um, and Dermonte Dawson, uh, I won't say he refused because that's not in his D- football DNA, but he knew he wasn't any good at it, and so he never did it at all. So that just shows you that you can be a Hall of Fame center in the NFL and not be able to long snap. And so you need to have a long snapper, okay? Uh, Specially trained, specially skilled long snapper. Now, how would the Steelers handle such an injury? Uh, The Steelers do have people working as emergencies, snapper, punter, kicker, 
okay? Uh, however, it's not usually done um, when it can be viewed by the media or fans or any of that stuff because Mike Tomlin's uh, belief is that um, he does not want who those guys are known by the public because he believes that um, if that happens in an emergency, just send the guy out there and let him do it, and he succeeds or fails. But what doesn't help him at all is having to answer questions about it right. for a month before, you know, weighing on his head. Every time he goes to sleep on a, the night before a game, he's worrying about, am I going to have to long snap tomorrow? Or am I going to have to punt tomorrow? Whatever it is. So the Steelers have emergency guys designated. They practice. But they don't, we don't know who they, excuse me, we don't know who they are. Richard Wolf from Sioux City, Iowa. How come when Najee Harris was injured in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter in the game against the Bengals, the Steelers couldn't let the play clock run down before taking the mandatory timeout? I am sure it is an NFL rule, but making the Steelers take the timeout right away really penalizes a team for an injury. Well, uh, Richard, you are correct. It is an NFL rule, and the reason is, any injury at any point of the game, the officials, as soon as a player uh, shows that he's in distress or cannot get up or whatever, the officials stop the clock immediately so that attention can be um, given to that player, whether it's whatever. I mean, if it's a broken bone or uh, he's in pain or who knows what it is, you need to get the medical professionals on the field as quickly as possible to deal with this guy because he ha he is showing that he is injured. Okay. So, you know, the Najee Harris situation, you know, what, maybe it was a sprained foot, whatever it was, he ended up playing the next week anyway. So apparently, you know, it was not life-threatening, but you don't know that at the time. And so that's why the clock is stopped immediately so that the, the doctors, the trainers, those people can get out on the field and assess what's, uh, what the problem is with the player uh, and then do things to help him uh, recover. I mean, you certainly wouldn't have wanted Ryan Shazier laying out on the field for 45 seconds right. so the play clock could run down when he suffered that spinal injury. I mean, you, you, there are things that if they're done immediately can really uh, help. Uh, and, and spinal injuries are one of those things. So that's that's why that is that way. It's it's an NFL rule, but it's player safety. And um, as much as I like to complain about NFL rules, uh, I got no qualms with that one. No, that one seems to check out. James Brady from New York, New York. Any chance the Steelers bring in Blake Martinez for a look? I know he tore his ACL last season, but the guy is a tackling machine when healthy. Okay, James, I'm just going to throw a little part of your question back at you. You wrote, quote, I know he tore his ACL last season. <laughs> okay. Um, in case um, we established James knows that. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying, in case he's not familiar, uh, the Steelers just dealt with that kind of very situation where a starting inside linebacker tore an ACL. <laughs> and then he had to adjust physically and mentally to his new reality. And that process with Devin Bush took more than a calendar year and, and still the jury is out as to whether he, he will return to the form he showed before his injury. So it's kind of ongoing. 
So why would the Steelers want to do that again? I mean, and it's not even uh, Blake Martinez is not even a player that they traded up from 20th in the first round to 10th in the first round to pick. So um, the, the health situation just precludes any kind of doing business, I believe, with Blake Martinez, uh, especially at this stage of his rehabilitation slash return uh, as a player. Even though he's a tackling machine. <laughs> I mean, a machine yes, whose sole even... purpose is to tackle sounds pretty useful, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but, I mean, how, how's, <laughs> you know, is the machine still working? Um, no, it's low on oil. Or, okay, well, <laughs> let's let's get that oil leak fixed first. That'll then maybe do, I'm interested in the machine. That'll do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. Thanks, as always, for sending in your questions. Send questions into labs. Now we will be back again next week. Maybe you can hear them read and answered on that program. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman, and thanks, as always, for giving us a listen on Asked and Answered. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.